This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitri. Want to just say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure you leave us a five star review. We really appreciate you for that in advance. Now, T, um, for all the folks who don't know, we are on Amazon and roku i downloaded our locked on sports atlanta app on my amazon tv the other day and it looks good if you want to check out how good we look on on your television go ahead and check us out on amazon and roku really appreciate you for that now t well Deion jones is no longer at atlanta falcon um jerome Burger can't come to atlanta anymore and last but not least uh prime is Getting into it with other coaches who played in the NFL and and Atlanta House going back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Woo, that's for the culture. But first, we got to talk about Deion Jones. He gets traded to the Cleveland Browns last night. We find out this, find this out last night. Um, after we had just got done doing uh sports extra with Eleven Live with our, with, our, with a friend of the show, Maria Martin, yes. that the Falcons get a sixth round pick and they trade Deion Jones and a seventh round pick to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns get some help at middle linebacker, and the Falcons do what we thought they were we we thought they were going to do for the past few months. And T, um, uh, Deion Jones is is no longer an Atlanta Falcon. Yeah, it's kind of odd because you're really down to what Grady Jarrett and Jake Matthews, Jake Matthews from yeah. that era of yes. guys who went to the Super Bowl. And it's interesting because when you think about it, Grady's the perfect person on that Falcons defense to still be a bridge from that era and a bridge yes. to this new era. And unfortunately for Dion, whether you know, whether you saw it on the field, which it makes sense because that era was fast and physical, the Dan Quinn, if you will, era, and the Dean Pease, Arthur Smith era is more about physicality with some speed mixed in. It just mm-hmm. made perfect sense. Now we don't know, at least today, if there were any other internal issues, because we, we've always heard rumblings about that as well. Could he mix right, with the team yes. inside and out? But ultimately speaking, I just think the number one reason was his body type, his style, you know, his talent just did not fit the scheme of what Dean Pease was looking to do. And yeah, and to be honest with you, a lot of times when, you know, teams, uh, you know, like regime changes, you start looking at guys' contracts, off, sure. off, obviously, then you start looking at guys' production. And I think that when you look, those two factors were one, the main reasons yeah. why I think Deion yeah. Jones is no longer here because right. he had a bad contract right. and yep. he wasn't himself. Like, you know, <laughs> he, he just wasn't himself. And like you mentioned, just wasn't a good fit for what they were trying to do on defense because, Indeed. you know, the linebackers no longer look like guys that can play safety. You know, the linebackers <laughs> look like guys like like Anderson. You know, uh, like Anderson. Get a little and, choked and my, up on Dion. Just joking. <laughs> yes, I know. I know you hurt. Literally, you, I could tell in your tell in your eye that by the look in your eye that you're hurting over there. That Dion Jones is no longer an Atlanta Falcon. Yeah, but you know, I, I like Debo as a human because hey, <laughs> yes, he's from yes. my area, so yes. I'm always gonna like him and root for him as a human. But like you said, your main two reasons: the physicality just wasn't there in terms of that body type. We know what this team is looking for now. Right. 
we see it in a Michael Walker, for example, as a prototype, right? Yes. And Deion Jones was that last, I'll say that last heavy contract that you simply had to get rid of. Yes, yes indeed. Like those Albatross contracts, they are no longer here. So now the Falcons can move forward financially and try to get some things figured out as they move along for the 2021 season. We'll talk about what happened in that game in a little bit but we uh gotta talk about the braves some good stuff the atlanta braves we know who they're going to be playing against they're going to play against the philadelphia phillies now t uh i was not a bigger fan a big fan of them playing the st louis cardinals but i i do you know we talked about this last night on sports extra i was like i really feel confident the braves can get it done but what like what's 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 one thing that you feel like that's a big concern uh, for you as they get ready to take on the Philadelphia Phillies. It was the one thing that during Sports Extra, and I was just sharing with one of our buddies this morning, friend to the show, Andy Bunker, that I, I sometimes, I, I rarely, like 1% of the time in my life, do I cave under pressure. But we were in that moment where we were like, you know, we've got to get this done. We've got to get this done. And we go back and forth. So when you said sweep, I was like, fine, I'll just go with it. But I will tell you, in the back of my mind, the one thing that made me think that it may go to game four is if Ranger Suarez starts in game one. Because mm. at the beginning of the season, yes, the Braves kind of had his number. At the end of the season, he kind of had theirs. So right. that's where my concern is. That's probably the only concern because I do believe, but ultimately, the bats for the Braves will more than get it done. Because when you look at, for example, Austin Riley, who for his career has been batting over 400, I don't care about the slump of late, he's mm -hmm. been fine uh, against the Phillies and even against Ranger Suarez. Michael Harris II has also been fine against him too. So I feel confident that the Braves are going to get it done. But if it stretches to four or five, it'll be because of that guy. And Jarvis, I didn't think about this until after the fact last night. You know how we do with those darn businessman specials, and that's an afternoon game for game one. Oh, just saying. Yes, that's that like that. That's I have to say that that's one of my concerns. Like, I have two, two strong ones, but that 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 one is definitely the first one because you know the Braves just haven't played well when it comes to the businessman special. And, and I think that that has to be a concern because it's something mentally when the Braves have to change up their, their routine, right? Because it used to the first pitch being around 705, you know, yeah. 715 at 730 range. And, you know, you play, baseball players are routine guys, yes, more yes. so than I think than any other professional athlete. So mm -hmm. when yes, you, yes. when that gets thrown off, thrown off, that's when you start to think about things changing up from a mental standpoint. So I think that if the Braves can get past that part and, you know, if they can, you know, keep that dude, um, Bryce Harper, because, you know, he was hitting moonshots in that first series <laughs> against the Cardinals. I was like, oh, my gosh, dude, is this dude starting to heat up? And I think that that's the those are the two things that I think that, you know, if the Braves can kind of keep at bay, I, I think they'll be perfectly fine. Now, the other thing I think that can be encouraging is this, not necessarily from the perspective of sweeping, but if it does get to a game four, Spencer Strider is on his way back. Alex Anthopoulos made a statement last night saying, hey, he is excited about the possibility of him coming back in the NLDS. And low key, they signed Spencer Strider to a six-year deal this morning where it's $72 million so or $75 million. And I really do feel like that was kind of an indication of not only do we want to keep him for the long term, but just a little tip of the hat like, mm-hmm, he's on his way back and it's not going to be the NLCS either. Yeah, I, I'm I'm super excited about Spencer Strider because I, I can't wait to see that style of – 
pitching that he brings to the table, I want to see that in the playoffs because that is like a younger version of a Max Scherzer. You know, like we don't we don't want him to show up like Max Scherzer did for the Mets. But I think that Spencer Strider is the guy that I think that if he can get to the point where he's healthy enough to be that third guy to go in that third that third game, because I think that you know it's going to fall where um, Aaron Nola. Uh, is going to more than likely going to pitch in that third game. Yeah, it oh, looks second like, or th- yeah, that's what yeah, it looks like. Second so, or third, it seems like yes. they're kind of playing chess with us. But yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, of course they are. Sure they are. But I, I think that you know if that kind of falls into play, I'd be more than confident uh, with, with putting him on the mound against on one of their better um, guys in their rotation. Now, like I mentioned, the Mets lost T. Like they they, they made it. And they I just completed like meltdown like of epic proportions. So let me tell you something, New York fans, New York folks. And listen, I love my Yankees, so I, I'm gonna hate on you that way too. But I forgive you for that. Yeah. Go right ahead. I'm, I'm never gonna <laughs> apologize for being a Braves and a Yankees fan. That's right, yes. sure am. But yes. I will tell you with the Mets, it's like that's shameful. Like, even mm. if some for some reason the Braves don't get it done in the NLDS, two things. Number one, they battled all the way back from 10 and a half games and went a step further than you did. And I don't expect the Braves to go out like suckers and go out basically being shut out. Not going to happen. Right. Not going to happen. Like, what they did in this last part of this season is scary. Yeah. Scary. Scary. So yeah, all of the trolling that we've seen over the last 24 hours. Well, I mean, Mets, you earned it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Because they won 101 games. That's like nothing to sneeze at. And then, you know, people going to be calling for Buck Show Walter to get fired and all that stuff. And I'm just like, yes, I can't wait. This is so great. Like, y'all don't understand. Like, y'all haven't been terrible for the past however long. And yeah, y'all won 101 games and y'all talking about firing the manager that actually orchestrated it. Like, Okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> Stay at the bottom of the barrel like you're going to be next year when Jacob DeGrom leaves and more than likely becomes an brave. Oh, I can't wait to have that conversation. Ooh, Goodness ooh, gracious. Please. The pettiness that's going to ooze from this show when that happens. Right. <laughs> it's going down that day. But uh, I think that, you know, it's definitely going to have to keep an eye on the, on the Braves as they, you know, get ready to take on the Philadelphia Phillies tomorrow. Can't wait for that. But, T., Georgia Bulldogs um seem to have an issue with how they start um games. They've been able to finish because they're still undefeated, mm-hmm. six and zero. Mm-hmm. We get it, understand. But what is going on with with how they how they start games? And, and do you think that Stetson Bennett is the reason for that? Yeah, I think that at the end of the day. He's a part of it. He's a part of it. But some of it is you may have to do a little bit more creative scheming because just Mm -hmm. like with anything, as teams get better and as you're the champion, you got a target on your back. So the teams that target you are going to start targeting for your weakest point. And unfortunately, no offense, Stetson Bennett, but you are kind of the weakest link, uh, except for maybe your O-line. But your O-line is getting stronger and you're getting closer to saying, "Okay, this is our starting five. So if they're good, your running back game just got a boost from two, I will say newbies just in terms of Brandon Robinson and Dejon Edwards getting more touches, right? Right, So if those key points in your tight end room has been tight from day one, your receiver room, pretty solid as well. So that leaves one spot, and that's yours. But I hope, Jarvis, between Todd Munkin and Stetson Bennett, they'll take these two tune-ups with Vanderbilt and Florida and get right because you cannot go to Rocky Top and expect to start this slowly 
especially with them having the past defense that they have and think that you're going to continue down the road of undefeated on your way to meeting Alabama potentially in that SEC title game. Yeah, like you like obviously you know final score for the, for the game was 42 to 10 and mm-hmm. the Bulldogs end up going ahead and dominating that bad boy but I think that like you mentioned there is there are some things that they definitely need to fine tune as they get ready to go into have a couple tune up games like you mentioned mm-hmm. and I think Florida may be a little bit more of a uh, uh of a contest than people may uh, assume but like you said you got the Tennessees and the Kentuckys of the world coming and I think that you know those teams are going to be going for your neck and trying to get you that L. Uh, speaking of going for your neck, how about you go for some money and try out betonline.net because that is you know where the, the game starts for you. Yeah. If you're trying to get some money, you're trying to get somewhere in life, you're trying to say, you know what, I want to go to the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. And I want to figure out where I can you know get my favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. That's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. Now, if you're trying to figure out uh, what that over-under is for, for the Atlanta Hawks, because, you know, they're coming off some preseason games, and, and they are looking really good. So yeah. guess what? Go to bet online, not net right now, because it's your number one online source. And for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, you can get a podcast on whether or not how you're going to make some money, whether or not you're going to make the – that call out on or that on that over under against the Braves when they when they play the Philadelphia Phillies. You got the MLB playoffs coming up, so go ahead and get all the information you need so you can make a good decision. I want you to go ahead to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because Bet Online is where the game starts. So, Jarvis, Dirty Bird Nation, Falcons fans, everyone who watched that game yesterday. Between the Falcons and Bucks, <laughs> two minutes and 56 seconds left on the clock is traumatized, traumatized, right? Yes, of but course. there is a fan base who, depending on how you look at it, could be traumatized or could be relieved. And that is right down the NFC South, right down the road. Carolina Panthers announced just moments ago that they have let Matt Rule go after he started this season one and four. So listen, Falcons fans, that was a rough game for us. And we'll talk about it a little bit in a moment. But hey, Jarvis, it could be worse. You could be a part of Panthers Nation right now with not just your coach hitting the door with Steve Wilkes taking over his interim, but you got problems under center and just about problems everywhere across that entire organization. You know what? They had problems when they signed, when they traded for Baker Mayfield. How about yep. that? Like this, that was an absolute horrible decision. And I think that was what ultimately um, cost Matt Rule his job because you, yeah. you traded for Sam Darnold. And he traded for Baker Mayfield. Yes. Like, you don't have an alpha quarterback, sir. Sorry. Yeah. Go back to college. Yes. Have a good and, nice day. Exactly. <laughs> and your GM needs to go along with you. But yes. on this end, it is not the two and three record that is the Falcons record is not so much just at the hands of the head coach, not by a long shot, especially with what we saw yesterday. Now, Jarvis, let's run it back for the positive real quick. Mm-hmm. Look at the beginning of that game. They're down 21 points. And it was one of those where it was a sweet, it was this crazy shift, right? At the end of the first half where the Falcons could have gotten three points. Instead, they, uh, Young Way Koo misses the field goal. And then the points go in the other direction, right? right. So, and yep. then it just kind of swings. And then all of a sudden the Falcons kind of woke up, 
right? <laughs> and started getting mm-hmm. the, the defense in particular, started getting these three and outs back to back to back. And then the running game woke up for the Falcons and we're thinking, all right, Falcons might, you know, they might be that team. So before we talk about why they are not that team, let me ask you realistically, once they got that first touchdown, did you think, okay, this Falcons team, the 2022 edition can actually make a comeback? Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe it. And here's Rob, because Arthur Smith is a guy who makes adjustments. And I think that well, we have to kind of like start highlighting that more because we highlighted every time that Dan Quinn didn't make adjustments right. coming out of the half. So and I think so I think Arthur Smith Arthur Smith deserves some credit when it comes to making the necessary adjustments, knowing what he's going up against and knowing what the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers showed him in the first half and saying, you know what, here's what we're going to do to combat what you guys showed us. And I think that, you know, you start, that's why you start seeing those quick screens and mm-hmm. you even had Cardell Hodge, you know, drop one that could have been, that could have been six right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think all of those things kind of come into play as far as the type of things that you're seeing, what you're seeing, and then being able to make the necessary adjustments so you can take advantage of what you're seeing. And before yeah. they they make another another adjustment, so I think it's, it was a it was a nice chess match that I saw you know with between Arthur Smith and Todd Bowles, and I think that you know that's some of the thing that is clearly a positive, and, and I think that that's what's going to help the Falcons not be out of games. Yes, once they you know you know as they move along through the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like Dean Pease made some good adjustments. Not that the defense wasn't trying, but you just saw right. some tweaks here and there. Like with, with the run game, you even saw the secondary coming up and saying, no, you're not getting past the first level. And that's right. where you start to see when we were talking about it earlier, that physicality that you not just see in the linebacker core or uh, in the trenches, but you're also seeing everywhere. So I think that's also what makes you feel like, wow, when your defense gives you a chance like this, all you need is one at least one uh, one part of the offense, one dimension of the offense to do its job, which the run game did come come alive. Now, let's just be real, however. You get down to it, and hey, you had two games in a row where thou shalt not pass. Here's the third game. <laughs> right. Thou ain't passing again. game in a row. Like, come on. Yes. Grady Jarrett was, I was oh, like, look at 97, man. man. Look at 97. Yeah. You know, I have called him my defensive MVP, so every time he does something like this, you know, I'm excited however the opportunity to get a win Jarvis was taken from the Falcons like right there taken from the Falcons and not just that play by the way but let's just talk about that phantom AJ Terrell call like I don't know what the heck that was either so you talk about that and do you really feel like either or both of those calls should have been made by the refs on that last drive when we're really talking about a game and even a division lead on the line yeah, I mean, no, you don't make those calls because one, because they they were phantom calls in my eyes. Like yeah. I feel like it was a phantom call because when you talk about the rule, the five yard rule, you can put your hands on the wide receiver for the five yard rule, right? And if the ball is thrown their way within those five yard rules, you know, like you gotta have, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta be able to, you know, then you can determine, determine what is a look. It gets a little gray area mm-hmm. in there, you right? Know what I'm saying so as far as whether they not they deterred him from. Uh, attempting to catch the ball Mm -hmm. or it was just them going back and forth and you kind of let letting them play so yeah Yeah. but that wasn't that's that wasn't the case for this particular play because it was it was almost as if aj terrell heard like hey i need to get my hands off him because he's getting ready to go upfield and then he Mm -hmm. took he dropped his hands and he kind of kind of kind of got up underneath him and and was kind of like following and trailing him so i think that was perfect technique 
Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Arthur Smith talked about in the post-game press, I got to coach guys better. Dude, ain't yeah. there's no way you can coach no. that technique right there. Like, right. I, you know, I've never been a DB coach in the NFL, but I darn sure know what they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. when, when it comes to, when it comes to the wide receivers releasing off the line and how yes. you're supposed to, you know, jam and, and make sure you get, get in that hip pocket of that wide receiver. I mm-hmm. understand all of that. And that just wasn't the case. So yeah. not only do you not make the call because it's not a call, then you don't make that call in that moment because right. guess what those are those are you you shifting the game like yes. on that particular like because you that was on third down mm-hmm. that was a, that was a time opportunity for them to for the falcons to force the uh, bucks to punt in yep. that particular situation then again, fast, yes. again so then fast forward to you know the greater jared situation like i i don't even understand like, what you're asking the defensive lineman yes. to do yes. when it comes to the quarterback because guess what that we've seen before where a, 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 a defensive lineman has kind of rolled and let the quarterback go, and then he ends up landing on his feet and making a play or or extending the play or going to go get running for the first down or something like mm-hmm. that. So what are you supposed to do? Yeah. He embraced Tom Brady and Literally. rolled over with and make sure he, he, he was on the ground and yes. he didn't drop his weight on him or anything right. like that, which was some crap. Did Jerome Boger try to throw around there because he threw him? The dude landed on on top of Grady Jerry right. because Grady Jerry hit the ground first. So how can you throw somebody? And right. So yeah, it's just a lot of bull crap mm-hmm. that you know that's coming out like after the after the fact. And I think that it's just it's just truly unfortunate that mm-hmm. not necessarily saying that you know the Falcons would have won the game, but right. they missed out on they missed yeah. another opportunity to yes. to beat yes. a team that you know hey like you said it was for the NFC the top of the division yeah. And, the referees had a uh uh they implemented themselves into that final outcome of that game and that's and that sucks and i think there <laughs> were several other plays in other games where the exact the same technique was utilized that you saw in grady jarrett and no call no call it and it so. <laughs> right even sneeze. So. no it didn't exactly kept it moving kept it moving right. there wasn't a conference commentary nothing it was just right. a play it was a great play it was a sack. We move on. You drop yardage and we go on to the next down. But it'll be interesting to see kind of what comes out of this. I'm sure the NFL will on some level acknowledge that this was wrong. But the bottom line is the Falcons are still two and three. And let's be honest, we all know that when you get in situations like this where you're playing a Tom Brady, you're playing the Bucks, you have to make every play count. And you can't really get yourself to a point where you're in this situation where you're forced to be where a win is predicated on the last play or the last possession. So outside of those refs, where do you feel like the Falcons maybe could have tweaked something that could have put them in position to win as well? I think I mentioned it earlier, the Cardale Harris drop. Like, you got to catch that football. You know, you got to do that because, like I said, that's potentially six points that you left 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 off the board. And also, you know, early on in the game when A.J. Terrell had an opportunity to pick the ball off, that was a those are those are game changing plays that you mm-hmm. because you, at the end of the day, even though you know that you made that play, you don't know what's going to happen after that because the momentum is a is a B. Like mm-hmm. I don't care what nobody says. Like it's hard to kind of quantify. It's hard to quantify momentum, yes. but I know it when I see it. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Indeed. those are the type of plays against that team on the road, making those type of plays. Those are the type of plays that you can that can change the game around and like i said it was just another missed opportunity mm-hmm. you know on, that they could have controlled because they all the players were talking about 
well, we got control over control. Like, well, you can control yeah. making those plays when you need to, you know, and not, mm-hmm. you know, and not make it. And Elijah Wilkinson had three penalties. So yes. those were some of the things that, you know, that the Falcons have to clean up because they've been they played clean mostly. You know, mm-hmm. probably one of the least penalized teams in the NFL. So yes, yes. those are the type of the things that, you know, mental errors that you probably don't have yourself in those in those situations where mm-hmm. the refs can kind of swing a game one way or the other. And if you make those plays and don't make those 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 mental mistakes, you know, um, during the game. So, yeah, there are there definitely are several things that the Falcons could have done to not have themselves in that situation mm-hmm. where the refs can swing it. But yes. I, I, I do think, though, that it is it's good that they are in position to make those plays. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're going up against a team like the Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can't pass up the opportunity to take advantage of the things that – the gifts that they give, <laughs> so to speak. If it's Christmas, you better unwrap that doggone gift and, and, and go on about your business because, you know, you don't get those things too often. And oftentimes you end up on the other side of an, a gift that they they received and they received two big gifts in that final drive. Final segment of ATL day ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to just say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. We really appreciate you guys. We are up over forty five hundred subscribers. Oh, my goodness. We are on our way to five thousand. Really appreciate you guys for that. If you're listening or watching us and you have not subscribed or downloaded our podcast, wherever you get your podcast. What are you waiting on? Like, like you're, you're just holding out on greatness. Like, that's what you're saying when you haven't done that. So, but yeah, go ahead and do that. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. And sometimes we want to talk about, but that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. Now, T, I'm trying to hold my excitement because, you know, the Atlanta Hawks, they did their thing again uh, in Abu Dhabi. You know, they're on their way back and they got another preseason matchup coming up here pretty soon and just watching this team and what i've been waiting on to see from this team which is kind of gonna to me is gonna tell me where this team how far they can go this year is the development of deandre hunter and when i tell you he is playing finals worthy type of situations when when it comes to the balling on the court, I don't know, but like it is so hard to hold back how I'm feeling about this team because what I saw from DeAndre Hunter, I am super super excited about. Yes. Now, for those of you who are ATL Day One fans, for those of you who are Jarvis and Tanitra fans, for those of you who watch Tanitra talk about the Hawks twenty four seven, you also know I talk about Dre twenty four seven. Yes, indeed. I wait. I for every day for like a month. It was Dre Day. It was Dre Day. When is Dre coming back? That was last December. And he came back. We saw flashes. And then, of course, unfortunately, injury. That's always the biggest challenge for us with Trey. Mm-hmm. But I want to just give him the flowers that he deserves for keeping the Hawks in it for that one game that they won against the Heat. And even when in those other four games where they got smoked, unfortunately. But right. DeAndre Hunter was the constant in all of those games when we saw a situation where Trey Young was being trapped and he wasn't able to even, you know, get the ball across half court. Sometimes there was Dre still doing his job when he needed to do it 
as a two-way player, right? So right. we saw this consistently in the postseason and even going back to that playing round. We saw it there as well in the last week or two of last season. So to me, Jarvis, it's a continuation of what we saw last year. But I do believe, to your point, now having someone like DeJounte Murray in the backcourt and having that one-two punch who can get that ball where DeAndre wants it and somebody who can help complement him in terms of being that defensive presence, I think that DeAndre Andre Hunter is really going to benefit from that. And I think something that we've talked about before as well, and that is all that the Hawks have done to pull in every one of the starting five and get them not only gelling, but also to get them to buy into Nate's philosophy and then for Nate to buy into them. I think all of those things are going to show DeAndre Hunter to be the one that we've always thought he could be. Now, if his body will just cooperate with us for the most part for the season, it's going to be good things down there at State Farm Arena. No doubt about it. And it's going to be good things down in State Farm Arena. <clears throat> oh, not in State Farm Arena. Excuse me. Um, they got, no. Yeah, they get to take on the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, and they'll be traveling. Yeah, yeah. yeah they'll be yeah, traveling. You're, right. yeah, be you're traveling absolutely to, right. They're uh, traveling. Up to Cleveland mm-hmm. to take Which, on Cleveland Right. I'm some, no, I'm glad you mentioned that, Jarvis, because that is a great point as well. You were talking about the tests and wanting to right. kind of see them test themselves against other teams. And we know the Cavs, even though there's no Colin Sexton now, it's now Donovan Mitchell. But ultimately mm-hmm. speaking, that is a team that overall has given them some challenges. Uh, throughout that the the time that uh, you know they ha- they have had that young roster that just keeps going and going and they'll go and they'll get Allen back. Of course, he was injured towards the last part of uh, the season, if you will. And right. uh, I just feel like that's and Darius Garland, of course, is their other right. guy who could pose a challenge. So you're right, got one more test. Uh, I feel like one more test before we see the real deal next Wednesday. No doubt about it. Now. Speaking of the real deal, you know, y'all know how I feel about Deion Sanders and prime time and just how he's the, the greatest player to ever step on the field, regardless of position. <laughs> now, that's his version of Dre Day, guys. <laughs> right. That's 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 my version of Dre Day. Yes, indeed. So uh, but there was I thought it was something that was very interesting that came across my timeline. Uh, here's a, is a video of uh, I want to get your response to you. Here is a video of Deion Sanders. Walking up to the Eddie Robinson Jr., who is the head coach of uh, Alabama State, no relation to Eddie Robinson himself, the man, you know, the myth, the legend. And um, I thought it was very interesting how it all went down. Is the final score? Oh, a little heated exchange there in midfield between Coach Prime and Coach Eddie Robinson. And, of course, that's our girl Tiffany Green on the call, friend to the show. Tiffany was so smooth, as always, very, very calm, just gave a tip of the hat, acknowledging what happened, and kind of moved on in the broadcast, and rightfully so, because at that point you don't know exactly what all the details are. You're not sure what led up to it. Now, to your point, Jarvis, as time went on this weekend and people started flooding each other's timelines, we started getting different angles. We even found out there was the pregame kind of dust-up that ruffled the Hornets' feathers. Of course. Coach Deion Sanders going through their team pregame. That's really not something that you see. You kind of stay on your sideline for pregame. You go to the, you know, get the the coin toss out of the way, and then we keep it pushing, right? Right. I feel like, and these are just things that I've heard, right, uh, from multiple sources. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge sometimes in the SWAC. It's like the good and the bad of it. So the good of it is we're actually having conversation about the SWAC. They're actually getting the recognition that they deserve on TV because that conference is playing some good football. 
the bad part is, and that's because of Deion Sanders. The bad part is the SWAC is getting attention for what they're not doing. And yeah. Deion Sanders is also a part of that equation. So listen, yeah. you get the good with the bad, okay? Coach Prime is the guy. Coach Deion Sanders is the guy who got the 26 to 12 victory for the Jackson State Tigers. Right. Prime is the guy who went through the Alabama State football team pregame and then tried to act like nothing had happened postgame and expected to get that same, you know, energy. No, right. you're going to get the energy Eddie Robinson gave you because guess where he's from? The N.O. And back home, <laughs> we, you get it how you live. So that's why you got that energy from Eddie Robinson. I'm not excusing it. I'm just trying to explain why you got it. But I also believe that it's an opportunity at some point, once the dust settles, for Eddie Robinson to hopefully humble himself behind closed doors and tell his team, this is not the way you handle this. You always take the high road because I still feel like Eddie Robinson could have done a little bit better in how he managed through that because you already know who you're dealing with on the other side. You already know. So it's up to you to assume the position and act accordingly. And I just don't believe he did that in that moment. No. Yeah, he didn't. He did. I mean, because I like, I'll, to be honest with you, like I've kind of changed my my opinion on what happened, kind of mm -hmm. evolved. You know, mm -hmm. I it, the initial video, I was upset. I'm like, dude, why are you tripping? And then, you know, like we found out about you know walking through the things. And I kind of get that. I understand that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. my thing was, and I heard the coach talk about it after the I heard coach on Robinson talk about it after mm -hmm. the game. And I was mm -hmm. just like, I got a little bit more of understanding. But the part where it just really made me get off and I was just like, nah, dude, you need to do your, you, you, there's some personal feelings there. Is when he talked about, I pray that Prime doesn't take a power five job next year and he's back coaching in the Jackson State because I pray, I just hope that he is. I'm just like, dude, stop, stop. Yeah, you know, like, it's like, 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 like the hater fluid, the hater yeah. aid is coming out of your pores, dude. Yes. Like, like, you know, you played in the NFL too. So why are you tripping? I'm understand. Like, like you played in the league too. So, and you were pretty successful, not level to, to as my boy, you know what I'm saying? But you have some, you have credentials as well. So I think you, you need to hold yourself accountable. You need to hold mm -hmm. yourself to a higher standard than sure. that. Yeah. That, that ain't it. Like, because yeah. you're bringing attention, unnecessary attention to, cause I, I know some Alabama state alum that mm -hmm. are really starving for that program to get back yes. to where it used to yes. be and that's not a representation of what they want to be put out there because there are a lot of eyeballs on the swag mm -hmm. because of what prime is doing at jackson state and then when those those eyeballs see stuff like that mm -hmm. you don't want them turning off because no. at the end of no. the day the only way hbcus are going to get to a, a the place where we want them to be mm -hmm. meaning hbcu alum is that we're going to have to get these tv contracts Agreed. Because at the end of the day, that's it. That's it. We're going to get some of these TV contracts, and we're not not to that level of Power Five, but we have our every conference that HBCU related has their own TV contract with whoever, and mm -hmm. I think that that's the goal. That should be the goal because with TV contracts come money. Yeah, when what comes money comes better facilities, mm -hmm. better, um, more being able to recruit more and go out yes. and get a different type of athlete. And I think all those things come into play, but when you have people looking at you, mm -hmm. when the eyes we we know how we are, we know how we are, T. We're yeah. held to a different standard anyway. Yeah, we, we know that. And right. I think that you have to hold yourself to that standard to even sure. more when you're a head coach of a football team and you're trying to establish a culture mm -hmm. um, down there at Alabama State. You do, because yes, at all times, unfortunately, right, wrong, or indifferent, 
you are representing for the masses as an yes. African-American coach coaching in a black college football setting. So again, my hope is that once the dust settles in a day or two, the next press conference, because today is the day that the SWAT coaches get together for their mm -hmm. coaches call, but maybe in a day or two, when you're in a more of a one-on-one -on -one situation with those who are on the beat covering Alabama state each and every day, we'll hear a little bit of a different tone and a little bit of a different timber because you got to remember whether it's coach Eddie Robinson or any other coach on that beat, whether you like him personally or professionally, the reason that the swag is able to eat like it is those last two years are because of coach Deion Sanders. So speaking of eating, we cannot wait to talk tomorrow about how the Braves can hopefully eat and get it done in game one of the NLDS. Man, are we ready to rock and roll with that tomorrow? We'll go more into depth and detail about the Falcons, kind of break that game down a little bit more for you as they start to reset and get prepared for the 49ers. And of course, Anything else is going on in the sports landscape of Atlanta, we will bring it to you each and every day. And not just here on YouTube and not just wherever you get your podcast, but also on Amazon Fire and Roku because, hey, we pulled up there too as the Locked On Sports Atlanta Network. So for Jarvis, Tanitra, we are here for you guys. Don't have PTSD for sports. No ATL PTSD for sports because guess what? The Mets met it. Have a great day. I'll come back now, you hear? <laughs>